All right. We're in uh, our series on responsibility. Remember, what we said is that God speaks or calls, and then we respond. And as we respond, sometimes He asks us to do things that we are totally convinced we cannot do. And that is exactly the point. In that He calls us to do something that we cannot do, so that when it does happen, we know it's Him, not us. And that's called grace. We just sang about the amazing grace. And we've seen that at work in our lives in different ways or different places. And we've been talking about that in this series. We talked about the stewardship of our heart and the importance of keeping that first love. We've talked about the stewardship of our mind, having discipline in our mind to stay focused on the kingdom and on what God's doing, not just on our own stuff or where we want to go. We've talked about staying focused on worship, particularly in this uh, generation era. It's really easy to become jaded and cynical, right? And it's really easy to become uh, a grumbler and a complainer, even towards God, right? Even if we mumble it under our breath, it's just really easy uh, to do that. And uh, we're talking about worship and, and keeping a fresh heart that way towards Him. All those are really important. Then we started in this series and we're talking about giving. And, and how that plays into it, because it's, it's an expression of our, our worship together. So um, we use this, we started in Hebrews here, um, talking about why we do what we do. It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. In other words, I want to point out again, it cannot be stolen from you. That's the beauty. A lot of things in life can be stolen, but the kingdom Jesus gives you, the kingdom He adopts you in, cannot be stolen from you. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. And the idea there is that fire does one of two things. It either purifies you or it burns you up. And it all depends on the state of your heart. If you come to God with your own stuff and you come to God and you're going to trump your stuff and God puts it through the fire, not much is going to Come out, it's going to be like wood, hay, or stubble. You know, I mean, just think of straw. How well does straw do in a consuming fire? <laughs> right? But if you're talking gold and silver and precious stones in a fire, that just gets more purified. Right? So fire uh, does the same thing all the time. That's who God is. It's a question of, is Jesus in our hearts? And there's a refining going on so that we have something to give. And, and we've talked about that. Our definition of worship that we talked about was worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. I think the extravagant love makes sense to us. Extreme submission is a little harder because we just flat out don't like telling, having anybody tell us what to do. Right? We don't like having people tell us. We'll do it if it's a paycheck involved. We'll do it if... It's the peace of the home involved. We'll do it under certain certain. But really, honestly, if we had to put it on the table, we just don't like people telling us what to do. Right? And that's true with God. We learn submission. We learn humility. We learn deeper levels of respect and response. And we learn where we're off. And we learn where we miss. And, and we, we grab a, a better piece of that usually as we get older. Some principles we derived from last week is the idea of give God the first. Oh, there we go. Oh, it's not coming up. Gee, there we go. Give God the first. Give God the best. And then we said in this process of giving that we not grow weary or despise the work. One, we can just get tired and say, uh, oh, you know, there's so many needs and I just get exhausted from it. The other part is we despise the work of the Lord. We go, you know, 
I don't think that's really accomplishing anything. I don't think uh, God's really paying attention. I don't think it's going towards anything. So I'm just going to use it for myself. And we called that stealing. We are stealing from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And uh, that's a serious deal. And it changes what we have to understand. What changes in that is not God's heart towards us. What changes in that is our heart towards God. And that's a, that's a big deal. We use this uh, verse here in uh, 1 Corinthians. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give, and this is the key part we've talked about. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, not a have to. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And what we said is that there are different seasons. There are seasons where God calls for different things. There's seasons in our lives. There's seasons in the life of the church where there's different uh, steps of faith that we have to take that God's called us to. And we're actually going to lay one before you this morning uh, that comes from uh, prayer and discernment from the board. And uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But these exhortations here that we're talking about are to the church, specifically the local church. Uh, in this case, where the church that this was written to was in Corinth, uh, which is located in the country we know as Greece today, right? Matter of fact, it was called Greece back then. So uh, what we would know uh, as Eurasia there, that, that section. And, uh, and it was a letter written to a, a local group of people. And when we're talking about giving as worship, we're talking about a group of people called in a local area where Jesus gathers them together to form a church. And through their sacrificial generosity, many are blessed because of the ministry that takes place there. In other words, we make possible what otherwise couldn't happen for people who don't even know they're seeking Jesus yet. All right? That's, that's the fantastic part of it. We're putting pieces in place before they even know they have a need. And so when we're talking about giving as worship, we're talking about what work, what church has Jesus called us to? So in our case, it's Northview, right? This is, this is home. This is where uh, we've been called by the Lord for this season. And, um, and that raises, I think, an interesting question as we talk about this, is are you called to the work? Right? Not just do you attend church, but are you called to the work? Do you see it as your place to lock into the kingdom where Jesus has called you? There's a huge difference between... Uh, Attending and being called to the work. Attending means I observe. Called means I serve. Attending means I take. Called means I give. Attending means I decide. Called means Jesus directs. You noticing the difference there? Attending is passive. Called is engaged. Another way to say it is, is Northview home? Were you called here or did you just wander in? Is this your place where you're supposed to invest with the years of your one and only life that you have? Is this where you're supposed to belong? Is this where it's supposed to take place? Is this where it's supposed to happen? Is Northview home? Is this the place in the body Jesus has asked you to connect to? And why that's important is because 
what we've said is that to do what Jesus has asked us to do, it will take all of us. If half of us decide we're called and the other half don't, then we can't accomplish what Jesus wants us to do because he needs all of us to participate. And what we've said in that, just to be really clear, is if each one gave what Jesus told them to give, we would have more than enough. And the other principle that we've worked off of, it's not equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice. What you may be able to give is very, very different than what uh, someone else may be able to give. But it's not as the world sees it. It's not a competition. It's not a, well, look what I gave, and, you know, so therefore I'm a hot dude in the church. No, that's not. Throw that, that dog don't hunt, okay? Throw that out the window. Jesus is no more impressed with that than the man in the moon. But if you give what he's asked you to give, and students, that means if you work a job and you're doing something or you're in money and you say, hey, Lord, I want to honor you and you tithe off of that, and, and that's five bucks, that's phenomenal. And Jesus is blessed with that. That's a big deal because he wants you to learn that faithfulness at your age right now uh, because it's really hard to learn at our age. Does that make sense? if you don't start here. And so I I just want to encourage you in that. But the idea there is uh, that everybody gives as God gives to them. And the idea is that as you prosper, uh, Corinthians says, as you prosper, then you add to that because God has prospered you. Remember, when we give, it is in appreciation for what's been given to us. This is where it just gets all turned around, all right? So I recognize I'm running against the uh, culture of the current. I'm running against uh, television evangelists. I'm running against all the garbage and misuses, and I apologize for that last week. But we do need to say it clearly. When we give, it's an appreciation for what's been given to us. What's been given to us? Well, it says, we said this morning already, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Right? Jesus did something for us we could not do for ourselves. Scripture says that through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, our sins, my sins, your sins, can be forgiven. I must call out to Him and admit that I've fallen short. That means I've sinned. And ask Him to save me by giving my life over to His control. And there's an important piece that a lot of people miss. They want the go-to-heaven card, but they don't want Jesus as Lord. It doesn't work very well. Okay? Because when He comes to love you, it is the King who comes to love you. He can't stop being the King to love you. He can't stop being the King to save you. He is the King. The Lord of Lords. He is the eternal God who's coming to save you. So therefore, you have to solve the authority issue in that when you come to Him. But that then, when that happens, is called being born again and going from death, my old life, to salvation, my new life in Jesus. Those who've had that happen to them have immense gratefulness for Jesus doing something for them that they couldn't do for themselves. And that is also why, if if you're a non-believer here this morning, that's also why uh, giving as worship doesn't make any sense. Right? If you're not a believer, it's kind of like, well, I'm going to the movies, I pay for the movie, that's what I get. So I come to church, I pay for the show, I put five bucks in, it was a good show, thank you. Right? That, 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 the giving side doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, and it won't until you come to know Jesus. And the other side is, if I, if I, because here's why, if I don't know what's been done for me, 
that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead, and I've never asked him to come to my life and save me, then I don't have a box to check for being grateful. Does that make sense? I don't have any box to check because I don't really grasp what he's done for me, and I can't be grateful for something I don't know. Is that right? I can't. How can I be grateful for something I don't know? If I don't realize it, if it isn't real, I mean, now this is a difference also between head and heart. I can know in my head that that maybe happened in history, but it means nothing. It's a whole different concept if it's true in my heart. Right? Bingo. Then suddenly, I, I come on a totally different wavelength because I'm grateful for what He's done for me. I can't be grateful for something I don't know. The other side of the coin is I do know. I fully understand. It has been shared with me many times, but I have chosen or refused to act on what I know. In that case, then I don't have a box for being appreciative. And the first one, I can't be grateful because I don't know what's been done for me. The second one, I know what's been done for me, but I haven't accessed it, so I'm not appreciative of it. I, I don't have that in my heart because I don't appreciate uh, what he did for me. So the, well, the, the question then can well come back to, okay, so fine, Mitch. Uh, so what is this body, Northview here, that I'm supposed to connect to like? If you're new or visiting, that would be a, a, a pretty fair question. By the way, you knew I talked to some of you this morning. Welcome. Hope it feels like home. Okay? And if it's not, you let us know. You come talk to me. We'll help you find home. Okay, it may just be a place for a couple of weeks or something and just a landing spot to where Jesus needs to get you. We hope not. We hope it feels like home. But um, and if not, let me know. We'll help plug. We'll help you find home. But if it is, let us know. We'll help plug you in and make you a part of this body. I just want to say that um, uh, that Norfew is a great church, that it is uh, an amazingly generous and sacrificial bunch of people, and absolute delight to shepherd. And we have seen Jesus uh, do some miraculous things here. Uh, you're sitting in a building that's a miracle. Okay? Just an absolute miracle. And uh, uh, very good at stuff. So um, this is a great place. Now, if you're new to this idea that Paul lays out some helpful steps in terms of giving, how to approach this grace and, and how to actually grow in it, and he says this in, Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, our giving should be regular and planned. How he laid it out for them then. He says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, they were taking an offering for the famine that was happening in Jerusalem. So he had given them instructions on what they should actually do. He says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. And so in other words, it wasn't just the Corinthian church. There were several churches involved in the gathering of this offering. On the first day of every week, each one should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. And what he's saying is, set that stuff aside, and so when it comes, it's already done. It's already taken care of. We don't even have to have an offering because we'll already have enough because it was thought through and planned and set, ahead, set aside beforehand. So back in that day, that was how they got paid. It was weekly giving. So you worked for a week. At the end of the week, you collected your wages. Now, we know today there's a whole lot of other formats for that, right? Some of us get paid biweekly. Some of us get paid monthly. Some of us get 
uh, commissions. I mean, there's there's all kinds of some of us work for certain parts of the year, right? We got a part time job. So we work part of the year and then the other part of the year we don't. So we have income, some of that, and then we don't on the others. And uh, taking that all into consideration, uh, the idea there is when you get paid, take the first, take the best, give that to the Lord. We've uh, talked about the tithe as a precedent for that, which is 10 percent and give that for the Lord. Some of us uh, have really good hearts and great intentions, but we also, um, as we get older, get a little absent-minded and forgetful. I don't know how many times you say, oh, gosh, I forgot to bring my tithe and, and do that kind of stuff. And um, that's easy to do. Um, but I want you to know that uh, as a church, we've just opened up electronic giving. So... If you be of that persuasion, you can now give electronically so that you don't have to remember on Sunday morning to drop it in the box. That's, that's perfectly fine. Uh, we'll try to assist you in your sometimes disease. All right? But, uh, you know, that, that, that's just something, an idea there that uh, might be helpful. Here's where we do have a little bit of a, a sticky point in terms of a church in that um, we have come very close or... Um, have hit budget the last uh, two years, but it has what I call the hockey stick effect. And what the hockey stick effect is, is that we come and we snorkel through summer and snorkel through fall, and then we hit uh, November, and then all of a sudden December, a lot of giving comes in, and so we make budget. But the problem is a whole lot of ministry and a whole lot of uh, events take place in summer and fall. So what happens from the staff's perspective is they cut way back and can't do a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden in December, we got the money to meet the numbers of the budget, but the, the events are over, right? It would be a whole lot better if it was front-loaded through the summer and the fall so that we actually had money when we go to Nicaragua. By the way, that's fully funded. Blessings to you. Um, uh, when we do sports camp, Mike Roerback and Run to Win and that whole deal. By the way, if you, if you just want to come out and hang with that, uh, 26 to 28, Thursday night, 6 to 9, Friday night, 6 to 9, Saturday morning, 9 to 12. Come hang out and just watch it. It's a, it's a fantastic deal. McCallum Park. Um, when we do VBS, when we do all those different events, summer camp. By the way, praying for 200, right? We're at 105, I think, right now. 105? 105. We've got 95 to go. Right? Praying for 200 kids at summer camp this year. Come on, guys, join with us, pray. Let's get it cranking. Guys, invite friends. There we go. All right. But those kind of events uh, take a lot of funding and because we believe God works at camps. We believe high school and junior high kids can walk with God. And so we maximize a lot of that stuff during the summer months. And so we have this hockey stick effect. And, um, and what I want to say to that is that um, just it's important uh, summer's a great time. I hope you take vacation. I know we're planning to, and I hope you have a wonderful vacation. So have a great vacation. But let me uh, tell you what uh, Pastor Jan, my mentor, taught me years ago. Don't take a vacation from obedience. All right? Don't take a vacation from being obedient to what the Lord's asked you to do. And that's from staying in the Word, having a quiet time. That's from prayer, and that's from your regular giving. Make sure that keeps coming in, because although you're gone, we're still here. And uh, people are still coming. And so let me encourage you in that as well. And then again, 2 Corinthians had that idea, as you prosper. Um, 
a lot of us, uh, when we first started North, we were just beginning in our careers. And, uh, and we've now been at it uh, 10, 15 years. And so we've prospered. We've moved on in our careers. And we've actually uh, accomplished. And our salaries have increased. And so um, the idea there is that our response is appropriate uh, in gratefulness and thankfulness to as God has blessed me. And so I, I, just, I just get more excited because God gives me more to give. But the point is, again, it's not how much. It's that we're all needed. To do what Jesus wants to do in, with, and through us, it takes the whole team. All hands on deck. So if you make $10 and you throw a buck in the offering plate, that is needed every bit as much as the person who can throw 5000 And where churches make mistakes is they count the 5000 more worthy than the one. And that's, that's a mistake. Now you can say, hey, okay, I'm happy. If God's happy with a buck, I'll throw that in there. If you're the guy who can give 5000 and you give a buck, I don't want to be in your shoes. Because then you're going to have to answer to Jesus why you were stingy and a lousy steward with what he gave you. And that's not going to fly well with him. So we want to be able to think about eternity. We stand in front of him and he says, not just individual, Norfew, you did a great job. There's a church I was blessed with and blessed by. That's our goal, is to please Him and to make Him uh, excited about our cooperation with Him. So it takes the whole team. Now, what does that look like? Remember last week I said that God has given grace uh, through each of the steps that He has had Northview go through. Uh, and that a different grace was needed for each of So there was, there was a certain grace needed for Northview when Northview was planted. And I'm looking at John and Jan, and I'm looking at other people who were all a part of that, and I'm going, remember back in those days? At North Shore, when the idea of, hey, we're going to plant a church, and, and you said, and you were sitting in the audience, and God said, yes, you're going to be part of that. Or I want to be part of that. And, and there was a certain grace that needed when it was launched. There was a certain grace when they actually moved into Jackson High School and, and met there. There was a, another and a different and greater grace needed when it moved from Jackson High School to Archbishop Murphy. That wasn't in necessarily uh, an intentional move. It was uh, forced by some circumstances. And it required a greater grace. Uh, Norfolk required a greater grace uh, from when Pastor Dan stepped down to when I came. Needed more grace after I came. There was a grace needed as we went from Archbishop Murphy to when we went uh, and came here. By the way, happy anniversary. Do you realize today, Father's Day, six years ago, June 15, 2008, was our first Sunday here in the building. We've been six years. Happy anniversary. We should give the Lord a hand on that. Thank you, Jesus. It's a good deal. Boy, didn't that go fast? Can you believe it's six years? Like, wow, really? It's an amazing thing. All right? So, but this different grace. And I think uh, Jesus may be stirring us up for uh, a new grace for the future here. Uh, Several, and let me explain what I'm talking about. Several have come in the last few months and uh, have said... um, what are, we, what are we doing to pay down the building loan? Uh, there's a loan that, what you see, this was empty warehouse, so everything you see we put in, all right, by the grace of the Lord. And um, some have come and said, what are we doing? And, and then actually, uh, could we give towards that? You know, do we have envelopes for it? Could we, could we give towards that? And, uh, and so we've been talking and praying about that on the board level. And the board encouraged me during this series to lay out a vision for paying that loan off. So I, I want to be able to do that for you this morning. So if you're new or visiting this morning, uh, I want to give you a little bit of history just so you understand 
what we're talking about. If you look at our budget, there are three pieces to our budget. There is the lease. We lease this space. We have a 10-year lease, of which we're six years into, uh, with three five-year options with the right of first refusal to buy. So we are in a, in a really good setup right here. Uh, so part of, the, uh, part of our budget goes for lease. Part of our budget goes for ministry, right? That's, that's staff. That's uh, all the different things we do. That's what goes on here at the church that we all participate in or outside of the church that we all participate in. But then the third piece is the building loan. And um, let me just give us a, a quick walk through that. So to build this out, it was $2.4 million. And there's a lot of with that a lot of stuff we could go, but just basically 2.4 million. That was what it cost to put everything in place, including the chairs you're sitting on here. All right, and uh, we had some miracles. Uh, one of the things we did is when we signed the lease and started to build this out, we realized that we did not have enough money to complete the upstairs. And so our thought was, well, let's not complete the upstairs. We'll just meet downstairs. And the problem is we had too many children at that point, and we realized we didn't have any space to put the kids, so we couldn't move in because we had nowhere to put the kids. And, um, and so the, the odds look really good, like we are going to have to stay at Murphy for three to five years until uh, we got enough money so we could complete the upstairs so we could actually move in. And in the midst of that, Someone was motivated by the Lord and motivated by the Holy Spirit, and they gave us what we call the miracle gift. Uh, Matthew was the chairman at the time, and he called me up and he said, Steve, someone came to me and said, I heard about the need. The money will be in the bank on Monday. And we were just like, you got to be kidding. A half a million dollars, 500,000 shekels in the bank on Monday. Now, if you'd have told me that there was that ability within our body to do that, we had just run a building campaign. We had raised 600000 We thought we were spectacular. And we had fallen short. And someone came up and gave us a half million dollars. And the reason you see everything here this morning and you see everything upstairs is because of that gift. Now, along with that, we had what we call the miracle loan. The whole reason we even uh, made the attempt. We were a much smaller pony back in those days. And uh, the reason we even made the attempt is someone came to us and said, we're going to give you a $1.8 million loan, and the first three years are interest-free, i.e., you don't have to pay any interest. So anything you can put towards that loan and knock it down, you can knock it down. And then when the loan comes due, we'll put it at a seven-year loan at uh, 10%, or what I got here? Get my numbers right. Uh, a 10-year loan at 7% interest. That matters money, people, I know. Sorry. Okay. 10-year loan at 7% interest. But when the loan came due three years later, they changed it to a 15-year loan at 3.5% interest. We literally slid in on grace on both deals. Uh, absolutely a spectacular deal uh, how we've been here. Um, and we're going to forever owe those people a debt of love. And I might add, over the last six years, we have done very well. We have gone from that $2.4 million to where today, just six years into it, we owe just under $850,000. Can you believe how far we've come? And uh, the exact number is $842,219.98. All right? According to Diana, as of Thursday. In other words, here's the deal, though. Through faith and teamwork, in just six years, we have paid off almost a million dollars. That is unbelievable. 
unbelievable. You don't, even, you don't even realize how unbelievable that is. If I sat at our network meetings and told our network team what we had done, they would be astonished at you as a group of people. They'd go, you've got to be kidding me. You've done that in less than six years? They go, yeah, it's an amazing thing. Okay? Now, here's the question. What would happen... We're talking about grace needed for each step of the journey and grace needed for each phase. You know, and, and the question is, what's the challenge in front of Northview right now? And what, where could we go and what do we need to do? The question this morning I want to put on the table for you to consider is, what would happen if we paid the rest off? What if we knocked that 850000 out? Now, I'm not talking about taking away from your regular giving. I'm talking about over and above sacrificial generosity. And knowing that I'm asking it, I know we can't do it, which makes it even better. Because we're not talking about something we can do. We're talking about God working through us to do something that we know we can't do so that we could say, look what God did through us. That's what we're talking about this morning. What would it look like uh, if we paid the rest of that off? Just think for a second. Just vision. What could happen in terms of ministry? Right? In the, here. What could happen in terms of evangelism and, and reaching people? What could happen in terms of missions? Right? We give, as a church, 10% of our mission, of our entire budget goes towards missions. And that number should actually be 20% right? to fuel missions. What would happen if we could actually do that? Wouldn't that be mind-blowing? We, we, we sponsor, if, you, if you're new here, our missionaries are rock stars. They are just something else. And when they come and they speak, we are just blessed like crazy. And we are thrilled to back the people that we back. That, that loan payment, here's what that comes out to be. That loan payment every month is $7,696. So let's round it out, $7,700, all right? I know, that's how I keep my checkbook. That's why it doesn't work. Okay, but what would happen if $7,700 a month was freed up for ministry purposes? Would that open the doors, Right? That, that would just make an incredible difference. And, and just think about what are some of the possibilities. I, I just threw a couple together. Here's, you know, thinking if that was paid off and we had that, what, what would be some of the possibilities we accomplished? Well, how about um, here? How about, uh, how about vehicles for the students? Have anybody noticed we got quite a large group we're trying to cart around here lately? And uh, that it's becoming more and more difficult to run a youth retreat or run a summer camp because physically getting there is actually a problem. Okay, uh, wow, would, would that be awesome if we if we had vehicles for that? Uh, how about a greater impact on missions? A lot of us are very mission minded and passionate about missions, both here and abroad. Uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, here's an idea. How about we actually had space on Sunday morning where we could actually have adult fellowships, where you could actually hang in and, uh, and a space and have coffee and talk and go through Bible lessons, but you could actually have time to get to know each other instead of the, hi, how are you, out in the lobby where you can't hear anything. You know. Wouldn't that be spectacular? That if Ziphas opened up, we could take that half a space and turn that into adult fellowship so that there was a place you could meet and you could actually get to know each other and you could actually pray together. Wouldn't that be spectacular? And just think of what that would do for new people coming in. They wouldn't have to go, blah, right? Hi, how are you? Fine. Good, glad you came. See ya. Okay. They could say, hey, sit down, have a cup of coffee. Tell us how you got here. Wouldn't that be spectacular? That's just a, a fabulous deal. I thought of some other things. 
How about this? How about some schooling for Zachs, Brooks, and Wilson? Right? They, they've done schooling. They've got some stuff. But in terms of ministry and stuff, wouldn't that be great if they got their MDivs or those kind of things so that we're equipping them for the generation that they're going to serve in and that they could take that a lot farther? That, that would really um, be a wonderful deal uh, in terms of what they need. How about... Um, what else I got up here? Yeah, how about that one? Would that make a difference? I mean, boy, I, I, my, I have nothing but for admiration for what Shannon does. And if you sit there and listen to him trying to recruit people, it is like pulling teeth. And wouldn't it be awesome if we got in some interns who actually specialize in some areas and could just rock and roll and make stuff happen? Boy, that would just be a, a fantastic deal. I've got some other ones. How about a, a staff person that specializes in reaching the community? Right? I'm a shepherd. I'm not an evangelist. But wouldn't it be fantastic to have that? It would be a deal. Um, now, here's the point. You may have a completely different list. My list may not be yours. And I would tell you, I didn't put profound thought in this. I threw this together in three minutes. Didn't take long. Boy, if we could do that, what could we do? Boom, 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 boom. You may have a completely different list, but the point is not the list. The point is paying off the loan has all kinds of ministry opportunities that then suddenly become possible. Right? Because we're, we're not stuck under that anymore. And so, um, this morning, if you take your, your bulletin out, we want to uh, lay this before you. It's called uh, Move the Mountain. You'll see you have a, a blue envelope in here. And how we're going to start on this, this may not be how we finish, but how we're going to start is that um, we're going to pray as a body, and then if God leads you to give something extra over and above, right? Regular giving, by the way, if you're not regular giving, you should start there first. Okay? But if you're regular giving, those of us who do, that includes me and Pam, begin to pray about this and begin to pray and say, hey God, how could we uh, knock that 850000 out? And if you look the tagline under here, in small prints, you may have to put your glasses on. And if you're like me, you can't even read it even with your glasses on. Okay? But it, the tagline is, Releasing Northview for Future Ministry. In other words, God's not done with us. There's places we can go. We can rock this thing. We're supposed to be in Mill Creek for a reason. And we can just sit here and take care of ourselves. Or we could move forward in faith and get God to pay that off. And then we could open up and explode for more stuff. That's the vision this morning. Getting God to move the mountain. Without that paid off, we can't do anything. We can't take any other space on. We can't do any of it because uh, that is uh, the promise was that we'd pay that off first before we got there. And I'm coming to you not because this is uh, my drive, although it is, I think you can tell. But others of you have come and said, hey, how can we pay off that loan and how can we give to that? So now we have a vehicle and mechanism. This little envelope is more than just a little envelope. When you see it, I want it to be a faith reminder. You can tack it on your fridge. You can tack it on your bathroom mirror. This is to pray over together. God, could you do this through us so that uh, ministry and grace could be released among us as a, as a congregation? When we go through stuff like that together, the amount of gratitude and gratefulness and thankfulness when a body explodes. And let me tell you, that's contagious. Okay. That is contagious in a culture like ours because uh, people want to know why we're so happy. 
What I, I smile a lot. And uh, I had one guy one time in a restaurant actually walk over to me and go, what gives you the right to be so happy? I said, Jesus? And he said, figures. And he walked away. <laughs> you know? All right, let's pray this morning. Father, this is uh, not the end of a message. It's actually the beginning of how we could engage with you and how you could engage with us to take a faith step, sacrificial generosity of you working through us as a body to not just only give a tithe, but give over and above. The top of the heap, Lord, like Abraham did to Melchizedek. Where we could, for the sake of other people who we don't even know yet, we could uh, open up the doors of ministry for you to be at work in such a way that many who do not even know you at this moment would come to know you. Lord, we don't know all of what that would look like, but we know it would be good. And we know it would be good for them, and we know it would also be very good for us because we would see your hand act in a living way. And many of us are hungry for that. Many of us are thirsty for that. And Lord, it isn't just with this, but this is a target that as we prayed and uh, talked, uh, it's been raised up within the body. The board has said, we've got to lay that out to our people and see if that isn't the bell that God wants to ring. And so, Lord, we lay that out uh, this morning for consideration. And if so, we pray that you would lay that on our hearts and lay the conviction for prayer. Uh, Some of us may never give a dime, but we may pray consistently. Lord, and then uh, for what we can give that you prosper us in. But then, Lord, also, uh, we've got the, the miracle gift and the miracle loan. You have provided in some fantastically amazing ways in the past. And you may want to do that again. And so we don't know. But we want to lift it up to you this morning and ask that we'd be inspired by that and encouraged by that, not because it's dollars. It has to do with your kingdom. And we ask this in your name. Amen.